way that would show that we have a good, good father. Amen? I've been thinking a lot lately about our good, good father. How undeserving I am to have, to experience all his goodness. Um, and how unworthy I am. And still he sees fit to pour out his grace on me and to pour out his grace on you as well. But just what kind of father is it we have? What kind of daddy do we have? You see, through a dramatic series of events, we go from condemned fatherless orphans with no hope to adopted children with absolutely nothing to fear. You see, people don't adopt kids because of what the kids have. People adopt kids because of what the kids need. The children need a home. And it's the adoptive parent that brings them in to their home. What a good, good father we have. You know, if I could build a father, I'd build one just like God. And today, as we look at this parable of the lost son, I want you to see the same insights that I've seen and how we might build a good, good father. I believe it's on page 924 in the Bibles in front of you. In Luke chapter 15... Follow along with me, if you would, in, uh, beginning in verse 11. Then Jesus said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of good that falls to me. And so he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after... The younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land and he began to be in want. And then he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put the ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they all began to be merry. If I could build a father, I'd build a father who gives me free will. Look in verse 11. Jesus said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And so he divided to them his livelihood. You see, even when our choices hurt us, the father I'd build would let me make those choices anyway. The son cared for the things of this world more than he cared for the father. The prodigal, though, wasn't ready for his share of the inheritance. But guess what? The father gave it to him anyway. But not only would the father I'd build let me make my own bad choices, he'd also let me go my own way. There in verse 13 we read, not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with wasteful or prodigal living. You see, many times, especially when we're young, especially as young people, we're just too focused on self. We're too focused on what we want and how we want it and when we want it. And it blocks us from being able to see God's best for our lives. And friend, while God knows the best for our life, He also will allow us to make the choice to go His way or our own way. When Pastor David Yarborough was seven years old, he decided it was time to go away from home. It was time to leave home, and so he packed up his backpack, and he hopped on his bicycle, and he took off. And it wasn't long before he stopped recognizing the houses in the neighborhood. And the next thing he knew, he was lost. Frightened in these strange surroundings, he pulled his bike into the ditch and just sat down and began to cry. And after what seemed like forever, lo and behold, his dad in his truck turned the corner. And David said, I'll never forget that look in dad's eyes. It wasn't a look of anger. It was a look of love. My father simply got out of the truck. He loaded my bicycle into the back. He didn't preach me a sermon on running away, and he didn't preach me a sermon or punish me for getting lost. He gave me the one thing that I needed. Daddy gave me a way home. Man, that, that dad reminds me a whole lot of God. You see, our God is not a fair-weather father. Our God is a 
stick with you through the good times and bad kind of father. He's the kind of God that sticks with you through the highs and the lows, the hills and the valleys. He's the kind of God that's going to be in your corner no matter how you perform. He's your father if you've come to faith in Jesus Christ. This father that I built, that I would build, would not only allow me to make uh, my own choices and to go my own way, but this father that I'd build would also allow me to suffer my own consequences. There in verse 14, but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and the son began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. And when he went, he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. I want you to notice there, friends, that the father, he didn't just go and rescue the son. I mean, didn't he still love him? Had he done so much wrong that he didn't love the son anymore? I mean, didn't the father care for this boy anymore? The boy was in dire straits, feeding pigs for a living. Didn't the father care? Well, of course he cared. But had he run and rescued that boy, what would the boy have learned? You see, the world always offers us instant gratification. If you want it, you can have it. If you want it now, you can have it now. But it always comes with long-term consequences. So don't choose what the world offers. Consider this son. Once the son's wealth was all gone, guess what? So were his so-called friends. Nobody gave him anything. And then the son found himself broke. Lonely, and for the first time in his life, that boy began to be in want. And it's not until he gets to the end of his rope, till he's playing in the mud with the pigs, that he comes to his senses. There in verse 17, but when he came to himself, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish here in hunger. Boy, if I could build my own father, I'd build one who would give me free will to make my own choices, to go my own way, and yes, even to suffer my own consequences. But if I could build a father, I'd also build a father who would love me even when I make those bad choices. You see, those bad circumstances 
is what is partially responsible for turning the, the son's heart back to God, back to the father. Look there in verse 18. He said, I will arise and go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to the father. But when he was still a great way off, the father saw him. And he had compassion and he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Listen very carefully to this. If you're listening, say amen. amen. To see the father, the son had to get out of the pig pen. To see the father, sometimes we got to get out of the pig pen. Come to our senses. Come to ourselves and go and seek out the father. So once again, the son had a choice to make. He could have been filled with pride. He could have stayed right where he was in that pig pen. Instead, he chose to be filled with repentance. He chose to be filled with a desire to go a different way. He chose to be filled with humility and go back to the father. Boy, if I could build a father, man, I'd build one that would give me my own free will but they would love me when I make bad choices. But I'd also build a father who is forgiving when I do repent. Did you see what happened in verse 20? As the son arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Can you picture this for a second? Can you picture this father looking down the long, dusty driveway that led to his house day after day after day, every day hoping against all hope that somehow, some way, the boy would come to his senses and he'd come back home? And when he finally saw him, I want you to notice what that father did. That father ran. He ran to forgive his repentant son. He ran to give him the forgiveness that he was seeking. Boy, if I could build a father, I'd build one who was forgiving when I was willing to change directions. But if I could build a father, I'd also build a father that would give me grace when I deserve nothing but judgment. Look in verse 21. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Boy, the father I'd build, the father I'd build, he wouldn't focus on where I'd been. The father I'd build, he wouldn't focus on what I'd done. The father I'd build, he'd focus on where I am now. 
Where are you now? That's what the father focuses on. He focuses on where you are now. Are you close to the father? Are you in that faraway country? Did you notice that the father didn't slap the son and say, what's wrong with you, boy? Did you notice he didn't preach him a sermon on wasting all of his money and possessions? No, his love for his son was stronger than what he'd done. His love for his son was stronger than his anger, stronger than his displeasure. It reminded me of when God came into the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve had sinned. And the Bible says that, that Adam and Eve were hiding. And God said, can I put this in Anderson words? Where are y'all at? He said, where are you? Was it because God didn't know where Adam and Eve was? No. Why'd he say it? Because he wanted them to know where they were at. They wanted them, he wanted them to recognize the distance that now existed between them and their creator. It was to force them to realize where they were. God will do that. Can I just tell you that from experience? Boy, if I could build a father... I'd build one just like God. Our Father's primary concern is always about how close are you to Him now? How close are you to Him now? Not where you've been, not when you're done. What are you doing now? How close are you with the Father now? You see, it's not His desire that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. That all should change their direction and desire to be close to the Father. And friend, if you've been born again into the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ, there is no way you can be unborn. Did y'all hear that? If you've been born by faith in Jesus Christ, you can't be unborn. You can't be unfathered. He's your father through thick and thin. He's your father through the highs and lows. He's your father in the hills and in the valleys. He's always your father. The question is, are you in the family? The question is, are you born again? If you haven't been born again, you know what the Bible says about you? The Bible says that you're condemned already. That's a scary thought. In John 3, 18, the scriptures say, whoever believes in him, in Jesus, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Why? Because he's not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So the question is, where do you stand? Are you close to the Father? Where do you stand today? You know, it's awfully difficult to find beauty in death. 
But it's much more difficult to find beauty in a death camp. Especially one like Auschwitz. You see, in World War II, there was an extermination camp in Germany called Auschwitz. And four million Jews were exterminated there. A half a ton of human hair is still preserved at Auschwitz. They would use hair to make pillows and insulation and jackets. The showers that sprayed poison gas still stand at Auschwitz. But for all the ugly memories that are there, there's also one of beauty. A man named Gajanizek remembers a priest named Max Colby. And in February of 1941, priest Max Colby was imprisoned there at Auschwitz. The harshness of the death camp, he was still able to maintain the gentleness of Christ. Colby shared his food. He would give up his bunk. He would pray for the German soldiers. Sounded like he had a screw loose to me, amen. But that's what he did. And soon, Colby was given the nickname, the Saint of Auschwitz. In July of that same year, there had been an escape from the prison. And in retaliation, the German soldier said, we're going to kill ten prisoners for every one that escaped. And so all the prisoners were gathered in the courtyard. And the commandant would randomly select ten names from the roll book. Those ten victims were immediately taken to one cell, locked in there where they would be given no food and no drink until they died. And so the officers began calling names. And the tenth name they called was Gajanizek. Gajanizek immediately just began to cry out. What are my, what's my wife going to do? What's my children going to do? And then all of a sudden the officers turn. They turn because they hear movement coming from the prisoners. The guards raise their rifles and the dogs begin to tense, ready to attack. A prisoner had left his row and was moving his way forward. It's that priest, that priest, Max Colby. No fear on his faith, willing to take a stand, no indecision in his step. And the guards shout, stop or be shot. And Colby says, I want to talk to the commandant. 
And for some reason, we'll never know, the guards didn't shoot him on the spot. But Colby stopped a few paces from the face of the commandant. He removes his hat. He looks him square in the eye. And he says, Herr Commandant, I wish to make a request, please. I want to die in the place of this prisoner. And he's pointing at Gajanazek. I don't have a wife. I don't have children. I'm old. I'm not any use to you. And speechless, the commandant looks at him and says, Request granted. Gajanizek says, I couldn't say a word. I could only thank him with my eyes. I was stunned. I could hardly grasp what was happening here. I couldn't handle the immensity of it all. I, a condemned man, is going to live because somebody willingly and voluntarily offered his own life for me, a stranger. So Max Colby, the priest, was one of the ten that went to the cell. Max Colby outlived all other nine victims. In fact, Max Colby didn't die of hunger or thirst. He only died when they injected him with poison on August the 14th, 1941. Gajanizek, on the other hand, survived the Jewish Holocaust. But every year, on August 14th, 1941, Gajanizek goes back to Auschwitz where he says thank you to the man who died so he could live. Friends, in the family of God, there has been a great sacrifice made so that you can live. Our Heavenly Father, our good, good Father has sacrificed His one and only Son so that we may be born into the family and receive eternal life that we do not deserve and that we not receive the hell that we do deserve. And to thank Him, to thank the good, good Father sufficiently, all you must do is receive the gift of salvation he has provided. Oh, if I could build a father, I'd build one just like God. For you who have already placed your faith in Christ, I have but one question for you today. How close are you to your father? You've heard that old adage. 
if you're having problems with your relationship with God, if you're having problems with your fellowship with God, who moved? It's always us. Oh, if I could build a father, I'd build one just like God. Father in heaven, oh Lord, we praise you and thank you for this gift that you've given us of salvation, of being able to become a part of the family of God. Father, we thank you for loving us as children as we have come and placed our faith in your son, Jesus Christ. 